Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin, and this week I'm joined by my fantastic partners, Ed Hunt and Angelo Carriero. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good, man. Doing good. Good, good. Glad to hear it, you guys. Well, we are just about a week away from the NFL draft, and you know we, we haven't gotten an opportunity to get all of our player rankings out there. So this is what this show is going to be this week. We, we got the rest of the defense for you, which is going to be defensive line and cornerbacks. So other than that, we don't have much for this show. So those defensive gurus, this is the show for you. We're going to just be breaking down our top 10 at some of the positions. I'm super excited to get into it. And like I said, we don't have much other than that. Did you gentlemen have anything to add before we get into our uh, rankings? No, no, no. We're good. I'm good. All right. Sounds good, brother. Let's uh, let's start it off with my defensive linemen. So this last week I've been looking at uh, edge rushers and interior guys. So I'm going to start it off with my top five interior defensive linemen. And um, I'm going to start you guys off with number five. And I'm going to go with Perion Winfrey from, uh, from Oklahoma. This is a guy I like at 4'3", defensive tackle, 6'4", 303 pounds. My favorite thing about Perion Winfrey is his first step is probably the best for any interior lineman for this class. He has a super impressive suddenness and flexibility for his size, has great leg power that allows him to kind of force gaps open. He's not a guy that's going to cut through gaps, but he's going to force them open and allow a linebacker to come down and just absolutely destroy that gap. Uh, He has a great speed block shed as well. He's really good at that lateral quickness step. Now, a few things that I really noticed about him is Physically, athletically, he's about everything you'd want in an interior defensive tackle. But he just does not have the technicality to his game yet. He does not have great hand placement, and that's something that's really important for getting the most power and pushback as you can from that interior defensive line. So he doesn't really understand the weak points of offensive linemen, and he's kind of just throwing his body in there and kind of just having a pure aggression game rather than a technical game. And he also does not hold the point of attack for a long time, so he's not great at anchoring guys down. If he gets set on a guy, he's going to shut off of him as fast as he can, even if that's not necessarily the right thing to do. He also does not have a great pass rushing bag. He's definitely going to kind of be a one-dimensional guy early on in his career, but overall, as kind of one of the more raw prospects, I love him. I think he's going to find success early on in the league, but I think he's going to be more of a, you know, a lot of these defensive guys, or these defensive tackles, interior, you know, nose, three techs, whatever, they're all kind of going to be run stuffers. There's a few guys that I, I think could be every down guys, but early on in most of these interior careers, they are going to be on the field for running downs. Well, that's interesting, Brendan. Are you, are you saying that, that this is probably not a great defensive interior class? You know, I don't want to say that because, like, for example, a guy that's going to be very high up on the list he excels so well at doing, you know, one thing. If you can guarantee success from that one aspect of his game, and, you know, kind of interior defensive linemen, I'm not saying their games are, you know, asked to be one-dimensional, but they're kind of asked to do a less, like, flashy game. They're asked to just eat up blocks, stop the interior run. You know, we're not asking these guys to get, you know, seven, eight-and-a-half sacks. That's not really their responsibility. So a lot of these guys, you're kind of banking on what they do really well rather than, you know, what what is incomplete in their game. 
I guess with Winfrey, it's he's a name that I've heard a lot about, and I'm trying to find it. Do you know what his athletic testing was off the top of your head? And like, if he's that type of developmental athlete, could you see him going any in the late first? I don't know the the numbers off the top of my head, but me personally, I don't view him as a first round guy. I definitely like what he brings as a as a raw athlete, you know, film wise in the second round, but. It, for an interior lineman, there's a few guys that I definitely like earlier in the, or in the first round compared to him. Just just athletically, if anybody was wondering, he only ran the forty, but he graded out to good or elite as a speed uh, as as a defensive tackle speed wise, according to um, at Math Bomb uh, RAS. Awesome, thank you for that, Angelo. So this next guy that I have is is very is probably the most unique interior. I, I'm almost putting quotes around interior lineman for this guy, and that's Demarvin Leal, kind of a four three three tech interior defensive lineman. He's kind of been able to be shifted around, and he's from Texas A and M. Excuse me, uh, 6'4", 283 pounds. This guy has been all around the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's a very very versatile athlete and can play the edge as well super explosive guy that has the strength to win at defensive tackle and has had the speed and explosiveness to win at the edge the only thing that concerns me is I don't know if you know is that going to translate to the NFL is is there kind of a concern is is he explosive enough put at the edge consistently or is he powerful enough to win on the interior consistently or are we going to have to just kind of be a matchup based guy and work around that if if he is able to you know keep that versatility on the next level that's a matchup nightmare that is a matchup nightmare and you can find a lot of ways to implement this guy in your pass rush and run stuff he has a great leverage due to his quickness and his first step so he's really able to engage with guys get his pad level low and get into their chest before they're able to really do anything his first step is really impressive in like i said he is a versatile guy but at 6'4 280 it's not a small guy by any means and to have that type of first step is super impressive he has great active hands that seem very natural when he's kind of countering these uh, offensive linemen. He just seems to understand hand placement very well. Great run defender. I mean great run def- defender because his lateral mobility is top of the class. And I, don't, I might even say it's top of the class for a defensive lineman, period, not even this D-tackle realm. You know, for, for if you want a guy to be successful at every level, lateral mobility is huge for an end and a defensive tackle. That means he can make plays on the outside and kind of eat up these interior runs if they're a gap or two over. His gap penetration will be his best asset in the NFL, and that's kind of why I I don't like him lined up directly on top of a guy like a nose tackle, but you have him on that outside shoulder. He's going That first step paired with that strength, man, that's going to be a gap penetrator all day. So I would not recommend running the ball at him. Now the thing is, that's why I kind of, you know, flaunt his run stuffing ability because his pass rush move is not great. Yes, he has great natural hand counters, but he doesn't have like a great pass rush move. You know, he doesn't have a great swim move, doesn't have a great rip move. He just kind of understands how to get off of his guys. Has good strength in his initial pop, but like the like guys that you would consistently keep at the interior, he's not going to push them back, you know? It's just he's kind of that's why I'm a little nervous about him getting his role in the NFL is he's either going to be a matchup nightmare due to his versatility or they're not going to know what the heck to do to him due to his versatility. So that's why I couldn't put him any higher. I loved the tape, but I just don't know how that's going to translate to the next level. It's either going to benefit or it's going to hurt him. I don't think there's going to be necessarily an in-between. But just the pure athlete he uh, is, I believe in his ability to grow his, you know, his technicality exponentially. 
Yeah, I just want to jump in on this. I mean, in my experience, guys guys have shown talent, and we don't know what role to put them in, and then they just find a role for them. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes it's like we get too married to the role. What was it, like Aaron Donald? The the, the, the knock on him was 4-3, four, 4-3 three, four, three defensive tackle only. And it's like, you know, he's a Hall of Fame worthy. He, he could play his whole career as a 3-4 defensive end and be a Hall of Famer. So... To be honest with you, you know, you take you take the athleticism, you take the project. I mean, we've seen we've seen guys not be great. I mean, this guy has better tape than that, but you know, guys who don't have great tape but have that athleticism and end up being great, you know, defensive linemen. I think I think the perfect point to that, and when it comes to Demarvin Leal and asking you, I think I think I already know the answer, but it's a, an example of two different players. You had a guy like Chris Jones that came into the league that was physically really good. Dropped to the second round for reasons, but he kind of had the positional question mark and found himself successful at the NFL in a 3-4 line. But then there was a guy like A.J. Epinesa, who some guys had as a top five player in the draft before his uh, final collegiate season. He was a guy on the tape that showed that he wasn't fast enough to go to the edge and wasn't strong enough to play inside and he's really struggled to find a role in Buffalo so which side of the coin do you feel like DeMarvin Leal is going to land on if those are the two options I don't want to be a negative Nancy but I I would say I wouldn't see enough dominant you know film I saw a great athlete but not necessarily a dominant guy so I might have to go the Espinosa route just because I'm not completely sold on him you know what I mean there's not something that it was like Wow, well, let I me ask it a different way then. Uh, yes, sir. Percentage of bust to being a pro bowler. Considering where this guy's going to get taken, I don't think I could put the label bust on him. Okay, see, that, would, see this is where, where Ed was talking about if you thought this was a weak defensive tackle class and you said not really. If your fourth overall player in the defensive tackle class is considered a bust, then obviously it's it, – it, it, it might be a little bit like, weaker. Yeah. It might be weaker or it's very, very top-heavy outweighing the rest that's, because that's I, I not a that's good sign. I that's a great sign. way to put it. Top-heavy is a better way to put it than I would say weak because these guys, they still ha- – they have roles that they can be in the NFL, but I guess you – like like we look at the wide receiver per- position, for example. I mean, you got have Pro Bowl talent in the third round, right? These guys definitely more top-heavy, and I think that's the best way to put it. All right, and number three, this is a guy, if my Cleveland Browns don't take a wide receiver in the second round, please, please take this man, and that's Travis Jones, a nose tackle, and I, I think could play in any front in, uh, mm-hmm. from Connecticut, uh, UConn. 6'3", 333 pounds. I, I love this. I love this guy's film. He has a clean, aggressive fire off the ball, and he does a great job at redirecting players. This is something that my boys struggled with last year. He's a one of I would I would make an argument he's the second best interior run defender in this class. Uh, he is some of the best technique for any defensive tackle as well. He's consistently keeping a low pad level and has great hand placement. You guys, the last three weeks I've preached nothing but pad level, pad level, pad level, and watching a lot of film, I have seen guys that have a tall back that is not flat and they like to stand stand all the way up. They're getting bullied. They're getting pushed back. Travis Jones is a guy that understands that to the fullest. You will never see his pad level higher than the offensive lineman, and that is why he is consistently eating in the run game. If if you want to anchor this guy down, you have to double-team him. I have not seen a team successfully anchor him in a one-on-one block. He is great at understanding his run game assignments, whether that's just eating up the gaps for other people to come down and make a play. 
and he's just a very high effort player never takes a snap that's not 100% and has good I wouldn't say has great lateral lateral quickness but has good enough lateral qu- quickness to consistently make plays in the run game that are a gap or two over uh, I wouldn't say it's you know near the level of what you know uh, Winfrey was doing uh, from lateral quickness but he's consistently made plays at the line of scrimmage I think from a pass rush standpoint he is not going to be on the field on first and 10 you know he is he is definitely a situational player, but I kind of feel like if, if you're a team that is really struggling with stopping the interior run game, which there's a lot of football teams right now, you know, that's kind of your biggest hole on defense, I'm absolutely taking my shot on this guy in the second round. He's just too good of an athlete, too big of a playmaker in that run game to pass on him. Uh, he loses, now one thing, he loses his reps a lot if he does not win on the initial strike, but that's not a consistent issue. It's just something if he doesn't win on the first attempt. He struggles to kind of regain that second ground. You know, it's it's nice that he doesn't do it consistently, but if he does not happen to do it, it's it's not going to be great for him. But like I said, I'm comfortable with only putting him in run situations early on in his career, but I think he could be a very, very good situational player. Let me jump in on this. Do you think if you're, if you're picking at 25, you need a defensive tackle? It's the number one primary need of your team you're you're picking in the you know mid 20s mid to late 20s in the first round do you pull the trigger on this guy like is it i mean what what holds you back from pulling the trigger if the next two guys that i mentioned are still on the board that's the only thing that would stop me from not pulling the trigger if your number one need on defense is stopping that interior run and you really don't have anything else you're too worried about say say there's only a cornerback six left available I wouldn't pass on it. I wouldn't. I think what he can do from the interior run game standpoint is valuable enough to take in the first round. And I mean, we know there's so many cornerbacks in this draft. You know, like do you do you want do you want that kind of second tier cornerback when you can get a first tier? I mean, would you consider this a first tier defensive tackle, or do you consider this a second tier defensive tackle? I would consider him a second tier defensive tackle, first tier run stuffer. If if that's mm-hmm. fair enough, can I give that answer? Yeah, no, that's a good answer. And so we'll, we'll go into number two. And this one, I had a tough time because I feel like I had a predetermined opinion on this before I really went into it. And maybe I fell into the hype. Maybe I fell into the, to the combine stuff or whatever. But I know prior to, you know, all the workouts and stuff, people thought Devontae Wyatt was, you know, actually the number one D tackle in this class. And I can see why people believe that. But I'm going to put him at number two, and when we get to, you guys know Jordan Davis will be number one. I'll explain why I'm at my number one, but I don't think that's a too big of a shocker. But Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle, I could see him as a 4-3-3 tech. He's from Georgia, 6-3-3-0-7. Now, uh, very, something about all these defensive tackles I want to mention is there's been kind of an untrue statement about a lot of these players this year having like a low motor. They don't love the game, quote They don't take every snap with 100% effort. I seriously, I've been blown away by the amount of high effort plays I've watched from this defensive line class. It's it's unbelievable. Across the board, defensive tackles to ends. It's unreal. Uh, he has great hand placement and does not al- allow um, offensive linemen to fully engage with him to bully or- him around. Uh, has great lower body power. The dude has got some thick legs, man. They're like they're like mini fridges, you guys. Uh, can get interior pressure on a pass rush. Impressive lateral speed for the position, and he's a disciplined tackler. He's not a guy. If he gets his arms on you on an interior run, you're going down. Now, something about him is he has a f- solid first step, if timed correctly, but 
Sometimes it's sometimes he looks like Von Miller with his first step, and that's his greatest asset. Other times he really struggles to time that perfectly. But if he gets it right, that's his. I would say his top three asset. One thing about him is he is so phenomenally good at setting at you know holding and anchoring offensive linemen down, and that's something that a lot of these Georgia boys understood how to do. They understood how to set the edge. They understood how to anchor offensive linemen and allow people at the second level to make plays in the run game. He does not have great length for the position, which you know kind of creates re- him his ability to redirect him in whichever direction you really want. If, if he doesn't get that low pad level, he's not going to outpower you. He's not going to bully you, and you kind of have your way with him, and he gets pushed around. If he does not win early in the rep, he's not going to win the rep. There was not a... Like, not saying he's not a great second effort guy. He just doesn't have a great second technique, I guess. He doesn't understand how to get out of those more difficult situations if you don't win right off of the bat. But what Devontae Wyatt brings across the board, I think he can be a great pass rusher, even though the bag's not necessarily there yet. But what he brings athletically, it's it's kind of, like I've said, consistent across the board with these Georgia boys. I don't know what they're eating. I don't know what they're, you know, what they have in that weight room, but it's working, you guys. That brings me to number one, and that's Jordan Davis. Defensive tackle, I, you could plug this guy at an even or odd front, and he is going to eat up the middle. And you guys, this is what I was saying about this class. It's, you know, the, the knock on Jordan Davis is, oh, he is, he's not a guy that can be a pass rusher. He's not going to be, you know, he's a very situational guy. And yes, that might be correct, but in my opinion, if you're banking on somebody that can do one thing, to, to the absolute best ability, how is that a knock? If you understand what his limitations are and you understand that he flourishes in this aspect of the game and that's something you struggle with, it, I, can't, I can't knock him for that. That's just not the type of player he is. That's not how he's built. This guy is, I, I truly believe he could be an elite run defender the second he steps foot in the league. Just watching the guy, the second you turn on the film, you see an, an absolute unit of a human being can eat double teams and open up gaps for other players to make. And it's very rare that I don't see a team trying to double team him. If He just overwhelms people with his size and strength. Anytime he's left one-on-one, he's going to push the lineman back five, six yards. He had arguably the most impressive combine for a defensive tackle in the history of the event. He ran a 4.7840, a 32-inch vertical, and a 123-inch broad jump. That is absolutely disgusting. Let me remind you, 6'6", 341 pounds. So the sheer athlete alone you'd be getting in this man is unbelievable. Uh, one thing that I didn't that kind of frustrated me, but his his strength is just so unreal that it kind of hadn't affected him. Uh, his pad level is something that frustrated me a lot at times. I understand you're a big boy, Jordan Davis, but you still got to get that pad level down because these guys in the NFL they understand how to attack that from attack that from a technique standpoint. So if you can get that lower, a lower pad level, a flatter back, I don't know a human being on earth that's going to be able to move this man. I so feel like your favorite. I feel. I feel like your favorite football player would be a turtle because of how low they play to the dude, earth, man. I swear. I swear. 100%. Pad level is your word. <laughs> it is, man. It's important though. It's really important. It's it generates so much power, and it's seriously one of the most uns. Like yes, it's spoken about in a football sense, but people that don't really understand it. Pad level is so important for these men in the trenches, and not even that, across the board. I don't want to get into my pad level obsession right now, but, <laughs> but um, you know, if, if you're trying to run it, 
let me keep it simple. If you're trying to run it down the middle at this guy, you have to go to the doctor to get your brain checked because something, the, those gears aren't working. You just understand if Jordan Davis is in the middle, I'm not going to run the football at him. He just throws grown men like rag dolls. He consistently makes plays on the interior. If you are getting Jordan Davis on your football team, I can promise you the runs between the tackles will dwindle. They will dwindle. Now, obviously, like I was kind of mentioning, does not have a complete well-rounded game. I'd keep him off of the field in some passing downs. Maybe early on or later in his career, you can kind of develop that bag, but it's just not there. And I, I you know, honestly, I don't know if it ever will be. He just doesn't kind of, he doesn't have that skill set to me, and that's fine. Uh, but like I said, you are getting a perennial run stuffer in Jordan Davis. I. Uh, let so me jump just... in, let me jump in it if you don't mind. Um I wanted to yeah, cool. I, I've got two questions and it's two player comparisons and the first one I just want your opinion Brendan. The second one I want Ed in on it too. Uh going back to your third defensive tackle, what's the difference between Jordan Davis and Travis Jones to you? Jordan Davis is just more of a man. If if that like Jordan or so Travis Jones brings the technique to the game. He understands how to block shed like with technicality. He understands hand placement to the fullest. A guy like Jordan Davis just physically wins every rep due to his sheer physicality. Not saying Travis Jones can't do that, but I feel like his, the technical side of his game is definitely higher than, than it is for Jordan Davis. Both, in my opinion, actually do bring very similar skill sets. But if you do want the guy that is kind of I know this guy will be able to physically outpower guys at the NFL level. I'm taking Jordan Davis. Okay. That's, that's, that's a great answer, actually. The second one I want to bring Ed on. I'm looking back at because the defensive tackle class, I think we're going to get a generational-level defensive tackle in the next class, but it's been a little shallow lately. How, like, which player, how would you compare him and which one would you rather have, Jordan Davis or Derek Brown? Ed, I, I, Ed who would you I, rather I, have? I mean, I mean, I love Derek Brown's tape. Like, I just, I just thought that he was just more of a complete, complete job. I think he's more of a complete player. I think he, because with with Derek Brown, is you can rush the passer with Derek Brown. Brendan, call me crazy, but you know this might be my uh, my you know Cleveland Brown in me talking. But I'm taking Jordan Davis. I think something that a lot of teams are truly, truly struggling with right now is stopping the interior run. I feel like we have a lot of talented guards in the league, and it's you know something that I, when it comes down to it, teams that can run the ball when it matters most are the ones that are finding success. And if, you know, to me, you have to stop that. So I'm taking Jordan Davis. I, well, I wouldn't underrate Derek Brown as a defensive run yeah. stopper. What I'll say is, is that I'm in between you two. I do agree with Ed. I think Derek Brown was the better product and more ready to play, but I agree with you that there is a situation where Jordan Davis is just such an extremely good athlete that it would have made me be like, well, why don't why don't I just take a chance on you know a potential Hall of Fame level athlete? And I, I could see it both ways. But that was my only question, and that's all that that was a good top five. The thing the thing that that kind of concerns me is it sounds like he's kind of that three four nose tackle, right? And it's like how much do we value? I think he's I think he's you know he's the blue chip of that of that type. But how much do we value that role in the NFL? I mean, well, I, I feel. Oh, go, go, go ahead, Brendan. Brendan, you're the you're you're the, you did the list. You go ahead. No, I pretend. I mean, I feel like you know, look at a team like the Buccaneers that had Vita Vea. That was a crucial part in their Super Bowl success. I mean, that was a crucial part in that defense being the best run stuffing defense in football. And you know, I 
I think we kind of undervalue it because there's not very many players that do it as successfully as a guy like Vita Vea does. I think I don't think you could have said it any better than than I could, to be honest. I think Travis Jones is more or less like that super nose tackle that you know you look at a guy like Kenny Clark, or is more maybe like the Travis Jones type, where it's a good, really good defensive nose tackle, good athlete, but then you've got that Vita Vea, Jordan Davis type of. If this guy hits, it's literally a game changer. One hundred percent. I mean, you have to completely change the way you're going to run the football if a guy like Jordan Davis is a hit. All right, let's let's go on to the edge rushers. We got a lot to do today. All right, all right. I know I know my edge rushers might might throw some people off a bit. My number five, I know for a fact, is going to make some people upset. But I know I know somebody in this uh, in this call right here is going to like my number two a lot. But <laughs> number five, I got Mister Trovon Walker from Georgia. Oh, um, yeah, I know, I know. Fire right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a guy I kind of say is a versatile quote unquote edge again. It's a, you know, he's lined up everywhere on the line of scrimmage. He's 6'5", 270, you know, with that size and power, you can do that. Very, very smart player. He understands when he needs to set the edge, and he understands when it's time to attack. Now, out of any of these defensive ends, nobody sets the edge better than Trevon Walker. Nobody. He sets and controls the edge like no other. Now, sometimes I almost feel like he's a little bit too disciplined set in the, setting that edge and kind of just sits there instead of going to say, all right, screw it, let's go make a play. I just think if he you know, push him inside, you can also find success with him, even though I definitely like him on the outside from an NFL level. Very disciplined run support. Uses his athletic lower body and can make open field tackles to move laterally effect- effectively. And gosh, dude, I just have, I have a lot of fun watching these uh, Georgia linemen. But the one thing about Trevon Walker is I think I have him at five because the hype he's been receiving as you know potentially a number one overall pick. In the film, personally, I didn't see that. I, I was impressed with other film a lot more. Athletically, though, I see what the people are talking about. I see what you guys are saying. It's like, this guy's athletic potential is through the roof. I mean, he's very he's very thick in his lower half, but up top, I feel like he could still put more weight and strength on. So that'll kind of give him a better initial punch. And that's something I feel like he's kind of lacking. I don't see him as a dominant pass rusher. Uh, like I was saying, I see a dominant athlete. I think his draft value is higher than what I've seen on the film. He does not set himself up for success enough. Uh, he he kind of has his back bent and makes it really hard to t- uh, transition and turn to where he wants to go after setting that edge. He redirects so many runs because of how scared people are to run that edge because he just he he truly does have an ability to anchor these tackles and hold them where they're at. Doesn't allow them to throw them around. But other than that, I don't see him as this like perennial playmaker. He's a guy that is really good at setting up, you know, other people to make a play, and he kind of has like the undervalued stuff that doesn't go necessarily on the stat sheet, like setting the edge to redirect a run, like forcing a guy to go through another gap. And that's kind of what I see him as. I don't see him as this guy that's valued as a number one or even, you know, top three pick. But I love what he brings athletically. I love what he brings as kind of I think he's a little bit more raw than people are giving him credit for, or than people are saying, but that's why I have him at my number five. I don't think his game is complete enough. I didn't see enough, you know, domination on the film to put him any higher than, you know, the rest of these guys for me. Uh, so, I don't, I, don't, I don't have any problem with your analysis, but the thing that I have a problem with is that 
we've seen so many of these projects, these athletic specimens, these workout combine warriors, whatever you want to call them. We've seen these guys succeed and we've seen them succeed at a high proportionate rate, even though their tape hasn't been good. I mean, an example is like Rashawn Gary. I mean, that guy had terrible tape, but the thing is, is that he played at Michigan and he, he was an excellent athlete and he ended up being a decent football player. I will say this about if we're just trying to compare because I do agree that athletic traits matter only to an extent because for every Rashawn Gary or you know player X there are a, a bunch of you know Lorenzo Carter's or you know uh, Jared Cooper's like guys that that tested out of the water and just become you know marginal. I, I'll say this about Trayvon Walker specifically. I I don't know if I necessarily agree about the 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 technical side of the raw label or or that his traits aren't necessarily caught up i think more or less what i see from Trayvon Walker on film is that he kind of is who he is but athletically he's an adonis so nfl teams are seeing this player that hey if we draft him he's already going to be an above average run like you said edge setter he is very good against the run and he is decent against the pass rush but we already know we're getting a national champion like nfl projected defensive lineman and if we can develop his tools boy what do we have i think it's that hubris from nfl front offices that are kind of coming out on trayvon walker i think he's a first round pick but i think he's a back half of the first round pick player on tape and even though his athletic testing numbers are good i don't think we ever saw like everybody wants to compare him to Danell hunter I think Donnell Hunter, Alden Smith, some of these these more project uh, defensive ends, even like a Randy Gregory coming out, these project defensive ends, they come out with more of that natural pass rush or more of that, hey, if we can harness this, then we've got a guy. I think we're wanting Trayvon Walker to, or at least maybe not we, but NFL front offices are wanting to, to project this guy as an elite pass rusher when his film shows that that's, not necessarily in his book of tricks. That was a great analysis, Angelo. I mean, I don't think I could have said it any better, honestly. You did a good job explaining it. Don't worry. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Well, I think that brings us to number four. And, you know, I, I there was a few different, like, the top three or the back half of the three, five, four, and three, I, I kind of had a tough time. There was, there was a few guys that I wanted to put, you know, at six, maybe even like 5A, 5B, and 5C. But a guy that I thought just on the tape brought more than Trevon Walker, and I really like what he can do in multiple uh, uh, scheme fits in the NFL, and that's Jermaine Johnson. I think he could be a 4-3 edge or a 3-4 outside linebacker uh, from Florida State, 6'5", 259 pounds. This is, I, I love a long defensive end. This is a guy that understands how to use his length to keep separation from linemen so he does not get manhandled. He's never really getting fully engaged with these offensive tackles. He understands angles very well and does that to have a great speed rush around the edge. He has a good initial strike as well. Uh, he has he, you know, he has enough strength to set these linemen back and have them kind of regather their feet and gives them an opportunity to kind of just win in that power rush. I would not classify him as a power rusher though, but if he does get that first jab on you, he has the ability to bully a guy backwards. He's got a balanced game overall. He just doesn't dominate at every level he wins a lot I would say a lot of his you know reps or excuse me a lot of his successful reps his lot of his you know sacks stats 
they come from second effort. He is a second effort god. If you are not playing every snap 110% until the whistle is blown, Jermaine Johnson is looking for you. Uh, he definitely over-pursues in run support, and I think that's just due to his aggressive nature as a football player. He's a guy that wants to make a play. Like I said, he's got a high motor. He's always looking for a person to hit. So sometimes he kind of is like, all right, I'm going to make this play. Boom. It, it's actually you know cutting up into the B-gap rather than going outside. And so he needs to get a little bit more discipline, and he needs to have a better bag of pass rush moves. He's kind of still raw in that sense. Rather just wins with his length and, you know, athleticism, his ability to get that natural first step. He also looks a little bit stiff. I know for a guy that's 6'5", it's not very easy to look limber and, you know, be able to bend like crazy out there. But if he is able to get a better bend on that edge rush, that is going to be absolutely filthy. He's just very tall sometimes, so it gives linemen an ability to just kind of stand in front of him. They don't have to do too much other than that. But if he can get that bend on an outside edge rush... That is going to be a scary football player. This this is my only comment, just to jump right off of what you just said. He's got ten man hips, like he just does when he runs that. When he runs the edge, his hips are as stiff as stiff can be, which does t- cause him to play tall and just play just with one speed and it's straight. There's there's no bend to his game. I I actually would almost like him more as just an outside linebacker mm-hmm. and let him play just angles and use his speed and use that aggressiveness going downhill. That's kind of the way I I personally would prefer him. Uh, he's a really 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 good football player, but I think the 12 sacks last year, people are going to prop him up into that top 10 range because mm-hmm. of everything else, but I think that the sacks are more of a mirage than 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 what will happen at the NFL level. No, I agree. I, I feel like kind of kind of like I mentioned, there were a lot of the sacks were due to a second effort, kind of just a broken play on the offense. Now, obviously 10 sacks, it's not the easiest thing to get 10 sacks, but it, it happens, you know. Sometimes you get a lucky 10 sacks. And like you mentioned, Jermaine Johnson, fantastic football player, but he looks like he's got some boards, some two-by-fours drilled to his hips. So I wonder, I wonder. I mean, you say he can play both, and I like when people say they can play both. I wonder, I wonder though, if maybe a 4-3 is a better scheme fit for him just because of his size, just because he's stiffed hip. I mean, maybe he just won't have to be as much of an athlete in a defense. Right, because, I mean... I feel like if he could get more of a bend, he can fill what like you know what a guy like Von Miller does and have that great first step, get that speed rush off the edge. That's a great point. I mean, I think if you want him to be that guy, you're definitely gonna have to. He's he's not where you want him to be. A four three guy, yeah, you could have him at the edge, just kind of be a physical athlete and let that do the work. So I I can agree that a four three is definitely a better fit. I still think that if he absolutely needs to, he can be that 3-4 outside linebacker. Let's go on to number three. All right, number three, I have Mr. Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, this is another guy that I, I just feel is is physically gifted enough to kind of play that 3-4, 4-3 edge. Uh, Oregon product, 6-4, 254 pounds. Ladies and gentlemen, elite first step. It, it's so explosive, and it doesn't really get more explosive than this. I don't understand, and I'm sure you guys have seen it. A lot of people say Kayvon Thibodeau is falling on draft boards. I, I think this guy is still deserving of a very high round pick. His speed and explosiveness is his greatest asset. It's, it's, 
pure physical specimen. He's strong in the run game support, and he has a great chase down speed if he, you know, gets into the backfield. I've seen him, you know, be on the left side of the field and chase down a guy on a on a right outside run. It's unbelievable. He has great straight line speed as well as well as lateral speed. His ability he can force a run outside and when that guy cuts back into another gap, he just does a swim move and gets right back over to make the play. His quickness is unparalleled. He's another very high effort player. I just I like I said, I don't know why he's falling on draft boards. I like him. I he can hold the edge and not get overpowered even though he's, you know, maybe a, like a little bit slimmer than he looked. Uh, then he he looks slimmer than he actually is. I feel like, and that's kind of people say he might be undersized. I don't think he is. I really think he plays very, very, very powerfully. Uh, he does not get overpowered by bigger offensive linemen too consistently. He's he's kind of when it comes to pass rush, he does not have a great bag of moves. He's not a guy that's going to hit you with a disgusting, you know, rip and dip. He relies on his quickness and explosion for almost all of his success, and maybe that's why. NFL scouts are a little bit concerned. Maybe that's why he's falling on mock draft boards is because this is a guy that you're kind of banking on his sheer athleticism, not necessarily the technical side of his game. Uh, sometimes he's a little bit over aggressive in the run game. Sometimes he, you know, he's just held in his tracks and does not make an impact on the play at all. Sometimes you can't really find him. But when he's in his bag and he is able to consistently win on that first step, the dude is is all around the field. Um. I'll be honest with you. I, as much as I think I know who your number two is, and I love it, I think three is too low for Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, the reason being is because I've told you this before, and I've mentioned on the podcast, and going forward, you all are going to understand it's part of my belief when it comes to projecting into the NFL. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is much like an NBA prospect that has all the talent in the world but didn't necessarily put it all together in college, and then mm-hmm. three years later he becomes you know all NBA, and you're like, where did that ha- come from? I think Kayvon Thibodeau is much the same way because though his tape doesn't have the audacity of Aiden Hutchinson's or, 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 the, uh, or, or the consistency of a Trayvon Walker's, he dominates his ISO matchups. Mm-hmm. His isolation matchups, there's not a tackle in college football. The only guy I ever saw that could handle him was Elijah Vera Tucker. That's the only guy. And Elijah Vera Tucker was my like 12th overall player last year. Like that's how good I thought he was. Like Kayvon Thibodeau, his he he displays that he can play defensive line, linebacker, all of this, but his strength to go along with his speed. And I mean, my God, his body. Like, if we're talking about Trayvon Walker's body, and it's like, hello. Like, Kayvon Thibodeau was, I think, a better football player and is is built. I, I think I think Kayvon, the overcorrection on him is completely I, – I think, I think it's foolish. I think Kayvon Thibodeau may not have been the number one player, but I think if he's anywhere from two to six, I, I, I just think that that's, that's kind of who he is. I think that in three years from now, he could be the best because he is going to dominate isolation matchups in the NFL. He is. No, I was just going to say, I I mean, I kind of differ from Angelo. I actually respect that you put him number three. I mean, I, I hate to be that person, but I, I think he's a little overrated. I don't want to be that person on Twitter banging the drum for that, but I do think he's a little overrated. Okay, and why? I just, I don't see like this elite pass pressure. Like when Aiden Hutchinson lines up, I mean, I see a guy whose just first step is like a snap of the finger. He's up. He's he's quick to the ball. He's 
You know what I mean? He's got he's got moves. He's got strength. I just don't I just don't see that eliteness well, with Kayvon Thibodeau. I think I, I think I you you do. It's just not. It, it's not every down there there there's been tape where you see they either roll the quarterback away from him set it up to double I mean there are some games where when a team is behind and he's able to actually pin his ears back I'm talking about you're talking about quitty pay versus Minnesota in the last half of the fourth quarter <laughs> like if you're allow, if you allow him to legit just go after it he is a living nightmare for tackles and I, I've I've seen it but if you're talking about is he Aiden Hutchinson play to play Play. No, he's not. I can agree with that, but I, I think it, I, I think that he has shown that that pass rush skill is very much there. Well, I want to I want to hear who's number two on Brendan's. Oh, board. I know who it is. This is my yeah, guy. absolutely. I, would, I, I can't believe you put him too, but I, I I I love the effort. So I mean, I think this I kind of put him at two because I just am, I really do believe this guy's going to be a playmaker in the NFL. I really do. And I think I was maybe just more excited. And I don't even know if excited is the word. Kayvon Thibodeau's film is fun to watch. But number two, George Karloftis from Purdue. Yes, sir. 6'4", 275 pounds. And, you know, I know know some people are going to rip me for this. But, man, George Karloftis, speed to strength conversion is out of this freaking world, you guys. This man is a physical presence. I mean, just looking at the guy, he's a force of nature to deal with. It's it's kind of like, you know, when you're watching Georgia, you can see, oh, yeah, that's Jordan Davis. When you're watching Purdue, you don't have to – the second your eyes are on the screen, you get drawn to this guy because he's just massive. And he's, he's a lot faster than he looks. He has very quick and choppy feet, which he has used – and sometimes I think he's a little bit even too spin happy. But I very rarely see a guy of this size and strength have – such a quick uh, spin move. I don't think his spin move is necessarily all that great, but you know I think it'll get more disciplined at the NFL level. But holy crud, you guys! The speed—I I mentioned it first thing. Speed to power conversion is out of this world. He says he likes to play his game like Khalil Mack. I see what he's talking about, but I, I just—it's unbelievable. I, I think he's aggressive at the point of attack. He's less rangy than you'd like him to be. He's you know, but. He has, he has the master ability to just bull rush through people. He has more times than I you know, can count on two hands just ran through people to create a pressure. He's not a guy that's going to get you a ton, a ton of sacks, but the pressure rate he's going to get you is out of this world. He has very low center of gravity, and that's on top of being a very strong guy already. That helps to create so much more power. He has fast and active hands. He has a never-ending motor, just like a lot of the rest of these guys, but his is like, it's terrifying. I mean, if, if I'm an offensive lineman and I'm watching film, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't, I'm, I'm sick going into that game. I don't want to block this guy. He does have the, you know, he does not have the length to consistently have a reach on linemen to, you know, to push them off of him and never get, dis, or to get engaged with them. So he more so relies on his true block shit ability. And that kind of, in a sense, impresses me a little bit more. This is a guy that can't naturally rely on his length, so he has to rely on it from a technical standpoint. He has to rely on it from a physical standpoint. And the fact that he's able to consistently do this is really impressive to me. Now, is, is he going to be able to do that on the next level? That's maybe a question mark. But what this guy can do you know, from a physical standpoint at the cause level is undeniable. My biggest knock on him, though, is... He is so indecisive at setting edges sometimes that sometimes 
they literally can just run. He, he can't decide if he wants to set the edge or make the play. So he'll, you know, kind of freeze up, and then it, it, they run for, you know, a 40-yard run right next to him. I want to see him get more discipline in the run game, but other than that, I actually really like what George Karloftis brings to the table. So this is this is a three four DN though. This is a five tech, right? I I would say he's kind of. I don't. I yeah. No, you go ahead. Sorry. I'd put him at like a four three edge. I would too. Really? Yeah, he's six two hundred seventy five pounds. Well, he weighed in. I mean, two sixty six three six three. I mean, if you wanted him to add weight, technically, I I suppose. But I think everything that you see on film, uh, it looks like he's a guy that should be able to line up on edge and and. And honestly, I mean, to uh, to your point, uh, Brendan, I, I think he's he's a guy that uh, when where you had Purdue, he's the only guy you had a game plan for. Like, all right, we're going to make sure we don't run towards George Karloftis or we don't like let the the pass blocking like determine on him. We're going to do everything else to get away from him. Now, that's not going to happen in the NFL. And I think when he has more of when he has more of a way to just play like a normal player, those sack numbers everybody worried about are going to skyrocket. But I, I, I'm with I'm with you, Brendan. I think he's a he's a four three end, and and this is what's really funny. I think he plays a lot like Aiden Hutchinson, and some of her numbers is sim- sim- similar. Uh, he's he's not as big, and his forty time wasn't there. But it's interesting. His twenty yard split time was like was elite like borderline top of the class but his 10 yard and 40 yard splits were just barely above average and it's that's that's pretty funny that he he can reach and i think we see that on film his speed can get there like sometimes it just you know he takes two steps and then boom he's running around a tackle 100 it's 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 one of those things it's like game speed is so much different than 40 speed for with this guy it's you can't look at the numbers from a you know testing combine result to see what this guy can do speed you know, speed-wise in-game. He's just something about having a human being that's, you know, that kind of dense and being that kind of, like, compact. It's it's really impressive. All right, but, I want to talk about Aiden Hutchinson. All right, let's, let's – the man that, you know, I think most people expected to be number one was Aiden Hutchinson. I had to see it for myself, and I get I get why people have this guy as the number one. <laughs> uh, it, you know, a 4-3 edge, uh, 6-6, 269 pounds – you can see how physically dominant he is. I mean, the second I turn the tape on, especially, you know, if I'm watching 2021 tape, the sheer athleticism is is un is Yeah, he's as, huge. It's unbelievable. And you know, when you watch his game, he has a great twitch. He has, you know, he's like Kyrie. He has the ability to cross people over. He has quick feet that are valuable to uh assist to make sure that he does not get in a position to get bullied. He just sets himself up for success creates an incredible amount of power with his hands on his first strike and he's also pretty active pre-snap I see him talking to his teammates he's a guy that understands football obviously he's great at baiting offensive linemen to punch him they're hitting nothing but air because he's so quick it's just I don't expect the lateral quickness from these guys these athletes are blowing me away more and more every single year you guys his bull rush is very powerful if he gets the right pad level pad level is another thing that isn't consistent enough with him, but you know it's proven to me. It's it's been proven that a guy like Aiden Hutchinson just understands how to be powerful so much that pad level necessarily is not going to ruin his career. Great first step, you know. Some people some people say he has a decent first step. 
I think it's phenomenal. I think no, it's, it's one of it's his, amazing. It's, it's one of his best attributes. I would say it's elite. One hundred percent. I mean, I've I've read a few mock drafts saying, "Oh, his first step could be better." No, I don't. I don't think it can. And if it did, this guy would be you know far and away the number one pick for everybody. I I, I just think that's a false false narrative. He has an incredible motor. Does not take plays plays off, and he's he's solid at disengaging blocks with a powerful rip move. One thing that I love about him, too, is he's just as effective from a two-point stance as he is a three. I feel like he understands his opponent's weaknesses, and when he's deciding to, you know, set up for a pass rush, he kind of has has a, a pass rush plan. He knows how his guys are most vulnerable, and he knows how he's going to attack. He doesn't seem like he's, you know, waiting to see what the lineman does. He understands his opponents to the fullest. Like I said, very talkative player at the line of scrimmage, shows high IQ for the game, and in 2021, like I said... There was a huge jump in his, you know, just the sheer, you know, playmaking ability. Every single play, he's at least getting by the ball. He's creating pressure. I absolutely value him as the number one edge rusher in this draft. I think he's not a huge force in the run game as someone receiving, you know, as, as you know, number one edge hype. But at the same time, I just think his ability to affect a play consistently, you don't have to look at that. That's something that can be developed. And he is a, I would say he's definitely more of a pass rusher, and that's not necessarily a knock. Um, I mentioned it a couple minutes ago, at times his pad level is too high, resulting in him to be, you know, pushed back into his tippy toes and kind of get that back uh, bent a little bit and arched, and he just loses all power. That's not a consistent problem, but that's something that I noticed on the tape, and if that's something happening at the NFL level, that can really hurt a career. But uh, to me, like I said, absolutely the number one edge rusher in this class. I think he's going to be the best day one starter, but is it crazy to me to say that I don't think he has the highest ceiling out of any of these guys? Yes, I think he's the best day one starter, but I don't think he has the highest ceiling. I mean, I think that Kayvon has the highest ceiling, and I, but I do think Hutchinson's too. Yeah, no, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think Hutchinson's going to be, you know, a bottom three ceiling, definitely the second highest ceiling. But I think a guy like Kayvon will have the highest ceiling. I just think, like like kind of you were mentioning, he didn't have the opportunity to you know pin his ears back and go full strength enough for I us will to say, see it on tape. I will say this. It's gotten to the point watching Aiden Hutchinson that I'd rather take Aiden Hutchinson than bet on Kayvon Thibodeau's ceiling, and I don't think I would have said that four months ago. But I'm at that point. I mean, you watch Aiden Hutchinson, it's every single play. He's out there just just winning and he's an elite athlete like he like his his testing numbers he is an elite athlete like it like his three cone drill is like i think one of the top four or five ever for a defensive end something like that like it's just he he's he's insane anybody that was off of aiden hutchinson should have changed by now Like, like including myself yeah, you have to give him a little bit of credit for what happened with the Michigan team this year, right? Like, I mean, this was a very successful yeah, he was a Heisman finalist. No, oh, keep keep going. I was just saying. No, I, I mean, I, and I think there's room to grow. I, I honestly think there's room to grow. I mean, you talk about pad level. I mean, if if he can fix that, um, you know, he's got a quick first step. He has the athleticism. Just adding little bits of strength, stuff like that. I think I think he can be. I think he can be right in that Pro Bowl level. Well, alrighty, folks. That that's my that's my breakdown of my uh, my top ten, or I guess my top five interior and my top five edges. Maybe a little bit of surprise with my edges, but I feel like my interior guys that might have been a, a pretty you know consistent opinion. 
Well, I, I, I thought you did a great job, and don't worry. I'm going to get chic with my cornerback picks with your t- Thibodeau at three. So All right, I'm Don't worry, we're going to be it. on that. Let's do it, baby. All right, let's Angelo, let's hear your cornerback picks. All right, everyone. Angelo Carriero here. I am here to present my top ten cornerbacks, and today I will give you a list of players that I have scouted. I scouted about – like I was I was able to fit in, again, jumped late on board. I got about 11 to 12 I got my eyes on, and I just made a – Top 10 out of those, but I made sure to watch a lot of the consensus players. I think you're going to have fun with what I saw from there. So let's start at number 10. I got an NFL Draft Blitz uh, guest member as my number 10, and that's Dallas Flowers of Pittsburgh State. Dallas Flowers, you look at the guy athletically, and he is everything that you want from a cornerback. He stands at 6'1", 196 pounds. Had over, he had a 10-foot, 11-inch broad jump, ran a 4-4-3 with a 1-4-7, 10-yard split. He's got the athletic makeup, including 32-inch arms, that every NFL coach salivates for as a, as a defensive backs coach. He... Played at smaller competition, like what, but he went to Pittsburgh State and the Mid American Conference and was a first team cornerback. Uh, but the importance of what you get from Dallas Flowers as well, he was a two time NAIA All American selection as a kick returner as well as a cornerback. So you've got a guy that has the physical makeup that NFL teams want for the cornerback position. And on top of that, you get a guy that could potentially be a Pro Bowl level kick returner, punt returner type. He really, if you had to compare him to anybody, it's kind of like Darius Phillips of the Cincinnati or formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals. That type of guy where you get him, you try to develop him as a cornerback, but you know you have a returner right off the bat. So you're telling me that th- this guy's just a, a sheer athlete. I, I think that he has. I think he he shows flashes on film. He will have to be coached up a little I, any time that you make that jump up into competition. But cornerback is a, a, a position you definitely have to take gambles on with traits because you can technically be the best. Like Jalen Tabor is one of the best corners you'll find on tape, but he's not in the league because he ran a four seven. Right. Right. Number nine, I have Elante Taylor from the University of Tennessee. I I like everything about Elante Taylor in the terms of his makeup, his athleticism, where he comes from. For an example, he was a consensus top ten recruit out of Tennessee. He was on all of the rivals, 24-7 sports, ESPN's top rankings, played at the Under Armour All-American Bowl. Okay. As a freshman, he had eight starts. All right, so he started early on as a freshman, started as a sophomore, started as a junior. And then as a senior, he was able to to really put it, quote-unquote, all together in his final season. But he was only voted All-SEC fourth team to one guy, by one guy, and that was Phil Steele. Athletically, he was a senior bowl invitee, by the way. I wanted to throw that out there. Uh Athletically, he checks all the boxes, too. You look at a guy that ran a 4.36 in his 40-yard dash. He stands at 6 feet, 200 pounds. All of that sounds good, like what you want out of a corner. So I do believe that he's going to be, and he's had a ton of visits with teams. I I think he's going to end up being a day-two pick. I really do. Mm -hmm. The problem, when you watch him on tape, I don't know if you've ever seen this from a corner, and like it, it just bothers me. His shoulders are over his knees. 
when he plays. And and to me, it, it, it really makes him suffer in the terms of changing directions. He's not bending at his hips when he's going down. Like, he's a great tackler. He's very explosive. He can kind of run in that short area, but – if he try, if if somebody catches on him and makes a move, it's almost like I mean, it's like driving a car without power steering when he tries to tries to stop on a dime and reposition. Like it's almost like he runs in a circle, uh, and his and his agility. Uh, I mean, his shuttle and three cone, like his three cone was poor. His shuttle mm-hmm. was average. Like it shows that the agility isn't there, though the 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 long speed and the and like I said, the film shows the aggressiveness. So I like Alante Taylor as a as a prospect, but if you're if you're hoping he comes in right away and is productive, I think you're just hoping that you know major conference, highly touted player. If a good defensive back coach develops him, I think he can have. Uh, an NFL career, but I didn't see anything that told me that he was going to be a starter someday in the NFL. No, absolutely. I love it. So, I mean, if, if he were to get his role in the NFL, you'd kind of just trust him to, you know, maybe take on these, you know, kind of clankier, more physical wide receivers, guys that aren't, don't have great uh, short area quickness, because I, I have not had an opportunity to watch much on Alante Taylor, but I've, I've, seen his name pop up a lot so I've read about him and one thing that I consistently saw was he has very very poor short area quickness he has very you know does not have great recovery speed so this is a guy that you kind of if like I said if he does get his chance you're not going to put him in an opportunity to where he's you know having to cover a short area of the field and you know make that quick change of direction you kind of just like him maybe on a seam route deep down the field yeah, I think if he's someone that can – he's going to be someone that you could play in, for an example, either either play him in like a cover two, like in a short area, not agility-wise like we're talking about, but in right. the terms of if somebody catches a screen, you can just run blow and, and blow it up. Or I don't know if he's long enough for that like outside cover three type thing, but that would protect him the most where it's just, hey, flip your hips, run straight, make a play on the ball. And, right. and if you can do that to where you protect him and just keep him in a side of the field or an area, then, yeah, I think, I think that could be it. But if you're hoping he kind of plays that slot receiver, I, I, would, I would feel ashamed to see the first time that Hunter Renfro makes a move on him. You know? <laughs> oh, perfect. Let's, let's hear your number eight, my friend. All right, number eight. And this was something that's, that's a little sad because I love the way he plays on film. But Roger McCreary is number eight for me. You you watch him on tape, and there are things that you really, really like about Roger McCreary. He is a fighter. He is a competitor. He's not terrible in coverage. And that's that's not to be that's not to be patronizing. I think when you watch him, it's like he has an average backpedal, he has average speed, but but he's always making plays on the ball. He's never too far away from his man. Uh, he's he. He's got an ability to at times make plays on the ball, but overall, I mean, he's there. There was the there when I believe it was John Mechie had that game-winning touchdown against uh, Auburn in the four-overtime game that Alabama was victorious this last year. McCreary was the corner guarding him, and he got left in the dust on a like two. It was a two-yard, two-point conversion, and Mechie was able to get just wide open on him and. I, I just saw that and I was like, my God! And, and then and then you watch other times where he can he can get left. It's it's not it's it's not 
all of the time. It's not like he's just out there wandering around. But he's got really short arms, too. Like, he has under 30-inch arms. He he wasn't super highly recruited coming out of uh, high school. Like, he was, he is a classic overachiever. I, I think, really, ultimately, what he settles in as is, like, possibly a nickel corner. Uh, just depending on that, you know, it's kind of that same thing with Taylor. Like, depending on that agility, if you want him there... I think ultimately he's going to settle in as an as a really good special teams player, and I'd love to have him on a roster. But if you're, I, I just think where we used to talk about Roger McCreary, like, oh, could he be at the the end of round one? I, I think we can we can really just quell all those talks. I mean, especially with his athletic testing as well. I, I think Roger McCreary is someone we're going to see slip big time on draft day. So if you pick him in the fourth round, do you think this is a good value pick? Yeah, I think I think fourth round is a good value pick because you can still you can still bank on the fact that he was productive in the SEC, that he is a hard worker, that that he is a supreme special teams player. And his athletic testing wasn't great, but like he still ran a four five, which is which isn't which isn't terrible. Like it, it's really not. It was really everything else. But I, I I think that if any team takes him in the top three rounds, especially in the top two. Like if it was the third round pick and you had an extra, I'd be like, I, I, okay. I I just I mean, he he had less than twenty nine inch arms. He's he's a tiny dude. Like I just, it, it, it's it's something that you love what you saw. He's a great. You you feel good for the kid, but I don't see it like projecting to the next level. And on the other extreme, we are going with Tariq Woolen from Texas San Antonio. It, what I mean by the extreme on the other side is that uh, this guy probably will go in the third round on on day two he is an athletic marvel he was on uh bruce feldman's like freak list he has been reported to run anywhere from a 431 to a 426 like like crazy crazy he broad jumped almost 11 feet 42 inch vertical the kid is oh he's 64205 as well like he he is he is athletically insane the thing is, is that he he was he was a three-star wide receiver coming out of high school, transitioned to corner uh, halfway through his career, and what he essentially is is a project. It, it, there are projects every year. I think this guy is a little bit more of a project than most I think would want to take on. But if you are a team like Seattle. And you and you still want to run that long corner cover three, and you miss out on Gardner. Woolen is that poor man's version. If you keep him on a side and let him stay in that straight run zone, that then you have a player that can mimic some of those capabilities that you want out of that system. The things on tape that I saw from Tree Woolen that that alarm you: positioning, past five yards, where he is with the receiver on the route. And technique, the back pedal, the everything, is he doing that? The, the two things that – the three things I'll say that encourage me. He knows to look at a quarterback's eyes. I actually saw him get beat one time because he was looking at the quarterback and he got a pump fake on him, which I think that's, that's not, not stupid for a corner to do is try to read, okay, where's the quarterback looking? The, the thing that I was most impressed with, though, 
I, I have not seen a corner outside of maybe the top guy that can read a receiver's eyes and make a play on the ball after the ball's come in. He did that at least three times in the tapes that I've watched. He has thir- like he has thirty three and five eighths inch arms. Like he's he's got long arms to put to put it in there. Uh, but he could he could read a corner's or a wide receiver, excuse me, his eyes, and when the ball came in, punch it out without touching the guy. Like this isn't this isn't a past five yards, and of course, like some you know he had him from time to time, but it wasn't agree- as egregious as some corners coming up he was able to just kind of read that. And I was really impressed by that for a guy that hasn't been playing corner long. And then the tackling, like his tackling forms horrible, but I'll give you this for a former wide receiver. He will come up and stick someone like he really will. So if you're asking me is Tariq Woolen a starter right away, like you pray to God, he's not like that. You know, you, that's, that's worst case scenario. But if you want to get him in a system and let him develop as a boundary corner where he can just run the sideline with someone, I think that with his athletic profile and his willingness to tackle, which to me shows that that the guts that you need to play defense, you've you've got something with Woolen. You've got something. Brendan? Angelo, I wanted to say, uh, don't, don't let Pete Carroll hear this because that man would be salvating over the analysis you just gave me. I mean, a 6-4 physical corner. I that's, I mean that's that's exactly that's exactly who I'm like trust me. If he goes 9, let's not like like we will have a collective heart attack, but I think we'll live because it wouldn't be like the most shocking thing ever on draft right. day. We know how much Pete Carroll values those big physical, you know, not even corners but football players and you know, I I'm not going to lie, I haven't heard much about this. I haven't had an opportunity to break a player down, but for somebody that's able to transition from wide receiver to corner, and like, yes, that's a position that has kind of somewhat of an understanding of the position that you're transitioning to, but to be able to do that and be successful on an, on you know a college level, I don't care, you know, I don't care if you have some holes in your game. That is an impressive feat in yourself, and that you know that kind of proves that this is a guy that has the ability to break through, that has the ability to get better. Because I'm willing to bet my life. The, the day he transitioned to corner, he was a lot worse than he is right now. So I have, you know, like you said, this guy, I mean, just hearing hearing the athletic profile, absolutely somebody you need to have on your football team from a yeah. de- de- developmental standpoint. Think about it this way. It was in 2020 when he transitioned to cornerback after playing three years at wide receiver, including high school. So in the last two seasons, they moved him over. And the first game of their season in 2021, so we're talking about just one full year in, his Illinois tape was not bad. Like, you watch that, and you're like, oh, well, this this guy has has something. And he actually got hurt in that game and came back. So he has he has some injury, you know, knickknack stuff. But after just playing one year as it, he was honorable mention All Conference USA in the secondary. I think overall, what people will be scared of him is simply just, you know, he's a freak athlete, but he's really really raw. Well, that's really really true. But the point of the matter is, is that there was enough encouraging tape that I think someone can take a chance on him and try to develop him. I, I, I'm not saying he's going to work out. I'm not uh, saying that at all. But he's I'm got. Gonna, I'm gonna play devil. He's got I'm gonna traits. play devil's advocate. Okay. Do anyone anyone heard of a guy named Brian Allen? Uh, not for a while. I don't, if you fill me in. Well, University of Utah player, kind of same idea. Physical, six four, six three, freakishly tall. 
uh, athletic, never really made it in the NFL. So, I mean, I don't, these guys... I don't like to... I, I personally, I just don't like to compare, like, play, the players to players. I, th- I think... I, I, I get. I, I totally understand what you're saying, but just to say, like, because player X didn't work out, player Y wouldn't work out. I, I'm just not as much into that. Everybody's their own guy. I think Tariq Woolen very well could bust, man. I'm telling you, like, there, like, if you gave me is Tariq Woolen gonna be an an every game starter in year four, I would put it under thirty percent and under. You know, like, I, 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 right. I would never go out on that limb. But I think if you're trying to bet on someone with traits and skills, like Alante Taylor and will be a long-time backup. Roger McCreary will be a core special teamer. But if you hit on Tariq Woolen, I mean, you, you've, got, you've got something cooking. I'm just, I'm just saying this, is, this has been tried before, and we have seen failures. Yes, that is the risk when you take Tariq Woolen without a shadow of a doubt. Awesome. I appreciate the breakdown. Let's, let's move it to the next one, my friend. Number six, I have Kair Elam of Florida. Mm-hmm. He's someone that I believe. I believe that there is a player within him that I that I think that NFL people, NFL coaches, that could salivate over. He, I think he might have even been better when he was younger. He's one of those players where his freshman year, he stood out and it was like, oh, Kyrie Elam's next. And then his sophomore year was really good. And then his junior year, no, he wasn't. Like, he was okay. Like, the, But he, he didn't show anything on film. And it might be just one of those cases where people don't always stop growing when they come out of high school. You know, you, mm. see, you see that in the NBA a lot. But it happens in the NFL, too. I wonder if maybe he filled out just a little bit more and then that corner stuff gets a little bit harder to do when you grow a little bit, like in your agility. He's – I'll give Kyrie this. He is really fast. He can play the quarterback. He is a willing tackler. Uh, he, he's – my problem with Kyrie is that what you are going to want him to do is be able to like just press and run. The run part he's got down perfectly. He is so fast for a guy his size. He can run down almost anybody. Kyrie Elam, coaches are going to want him in their building. But for a press corner, he does not do a great job pressing on the line. He he waits for the receiver to kind of make the first move, and then he'll try to get his hands on him. And when he does, they're past him. Then he's turning and running, and it's not great. And his hands are on him. He's His technique just got sloppy, got a little grabby. I like Kyer Elam in the sense of I think he's someone that you could – I think Kyer Elam's someone you could throw in a playoff game in an emergency. Mm. So if Tennessee was in the AFC divisional round and Caleb Farley gets hurt, it's like, all right, Kyer, go out there. And I think he can – what I mean by hold his own is not just completely you know what the bet. All right, but I do think – that I, I couldn't take him in the first round. But I think if he gets taken in the second round, it's a worthy gamble. Okay. I, I you know I am a big fan of Kyrie Elam. I've been able to watch a little bit of him and read about him. And I, like you mentioned, the dude is a freak athlete. Super fast, physical. Now, one thing that I, you know kind of noticed about him is he really struggled with kind of understanding angles. Would I would I be right about that? I mean sometimes I feel like he would you, you kind of mentioned it. You would almost respect the route too much 
and then it would end up biting him in the butt, and then he just gets, you know, the guy's running right past him. So he's almost yes. a little bit of doubt in his own self the later it got on in his career. And, it, you know, like you said, that could be due to his you know physical restrictions. Maybe he gets bigger. It is a lot harder for a taller, lankier guy to be agile, to have that short area quickness. And sometimes I feel like he was like, I can't put myself in a position to get beat here, so I'm going to really make sure I don't. And then it ends up, you know, putting him in a bad situation to where he does get beat up. Like, he just doesn't have enough instinct. Like, I wouldn't say doesn't have enough instinct, but almost second guesses himself too much at times. Ed, what do you think? He sounds a lot like Derek Stingley. That's just that's just what comes to mind. Uh, like, not I, like a poor... I, I hate to say it. Like, I, I understand your point about comparisons. Like, poor man's Derek Stingley, though. Well, I think... That, I, I think that Kyer Elam to me is more of a poor man's Ahmad Gardner because they're uh-huh. bigger. Like I would want Kyer Elam in an ideal world to play that same Tyreek Woodlin, uh, Ahmad Gardner. Like if he, if the, the, here's my problem. If I thought that he could dip and run like some of my top corners can, this guy would be a top 15 pick. If he could dip his hips and backpedal into a route, you'd be like, holy God, you would you would you would salivate like he might go nine if that was the case but I feel like that his hips are are when I was watching the other corners and I got to Kair there was a clear drop off in the terms of I'm backpedaling I'm pushing down and my hips are coming with me and it's kind of that height I mean he's six I believe he's six foot uh six one and a half so you're getting to that taller corner where it's harder to just be that natural bender. Um, I, 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 that's kind of where I see it. Okay. Why don't we go on to your next guy? Okay. We have entered into a realm of where I consider these guys first-rounders or potential first-rounders. My number five guy is my sleeper of the corner class. Uh, Not necessarily that I think he will be better than these guys, but I think that there is a possibility that could happen. That's Kyler Gordon, the cornerback from Washington. When you watch Kyler Gordon on film, he does play a good amount of zone, but what I like about him is that he has a, like, first off, he has a a great body for the position. He's 5'11 and a half. He's 194 pounds, 31 inch arms. His, we'll get to his testing in a second. But what I see from him is that he's able to really move his hips. He's able to backpedal, and if a receiver tries to do some type of like double move, he's able to rotate with him and break with that receiver. I like that he is physical in the run game. He's not scared of anything. He's, he's shown flashes of being able to play man. I will say that he did play a good amount of zone, but when he plays man, it never feels like he's uncomfortable, okay? What I really liked about him as a prospect is that Kyler Gordon had a 39-and-a-half-inch vertical, and he had elite shuttle and three-cone numbers, according to the, uh, again, Math Bond's like relative athletic score that grades these corners among the position throughout you know time, history, and space. The guy is a really, really great lower body athlete. This is the part that kind of separates it. He was he ran a four five two, and he had like a one five six ten split two six two. All of this was kind of in average speed range. The thing is, is that I think his game speed, his tape speed, was faster. 
Like, any time a receiver started to run down the sideline, Kyler was, boom, flipped his head, eyes on the quarterback, stride for stride. And I was like, I, 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 don't, see, I don't see the long speed problems with Gordon. So I, 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 I don't think it's impossible to think he's better than his teammate in three or four years. But the thing is, is that that speed category of it, it's, all, it's almost like the inverse. The two players are the inverses of each other. I just know that Kyler Gordon, I know he's going to be a good cornerback. It's just how good and how high is that ceiling? Okay, let me ask you this. For, you know, we, we know that cornerback is one of the most sought-after positions, one of the hardest to hit on. I, I have definitely heard this guy's name, you know, kind of rise up on a lot of boards. And is this somebody that you're willing to take a chance on a very late first-round pick? Yeah, I said I said that all five of these guys are first-rounders Oh, me. excuse me. Sorry about that. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. No, I'll, I'll, I'll re- actually, I'll reaffirm it. I think Kyler Gordon absolutely is a first-round-worthy player because his athletic testing was that good. The only thing that's off is the game speed, and yet I thought, or, or excuse me, the timed speed, and yet I thought his game speed was good. He, he athletically profiles... Uh, close to uh, there are a couple of players on here like Carlos Rogers who was a top 10 pick out of Auburn back in 05 but Byron Jones was his comparison on NFL.com and I thought of that comparison before I even checked the site like in terms of you're getting a corner that has that athletic profile to be able to either play corner or safety at a very good level like if if Kyler Gordon is a better man corner or has the speed to keep up. I mean, you're talking about a potential like real guy, like a, a, a real football player here. So I, I am big on, on Kyler Gordon and I wanted to have the bravery to move him up more. Uh, I, I just think that I wanted to see more reps of him in pure coverage and I didn't get the opportunity to see that. But yeah, I do think that he's, if if he goes in the back half of the first round, I think I think for a playoff team that needs like a corner, even even possibly a nickel corner, because I saw a play on nickel and this goes to that lower body athleticism where this receiver he started backpedaling and it was a quick out route to the sideline and like a third and two, second and two or whatever. And as soon as that wide receiver breaks, you see him open up in the speed to catch up with it. I I, I was just impressed. I, I came in thinking I wouldn't like Kyler Gordon, and he changed me around. I did. I did a lot. From the top, the top four, look, I have changed this around as many ways. I, I, I can't. I, 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 am, I am struggling. I, I actually at one point was going to put Kyler Gordon in the top four, but I do mm-hmm. think that these handful of guys have either – I think I think my top guy is going to be a separator, uh, but I think all four of these guys bring a very very good quality or very good qualities, but also are imperfect. I think all of these guys are. I'll go to uh, number. Let's see, number four, and I have my rankings in front of me. I just don't know exactly where I want to put them, <laughs> um, but I will go. I, I'll I'll stick my I'll stick my head out for the for for one guy, and I'll I'll see how it goes. Um, my number four player is Trent McDuffie. The thing I love about Trent McDuffie is that there is a resur- there there there's a there's a resurgence of small receivers and the the hand play in the NFL is much 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 stricter than it is in college. 
Like, you cannot get away with grabbing and pulling on receivers. You have to just be in that position to make plays. The thing I like about Trent McDuffie is that he has the athleticism in the terms of his body movements to keep up with – for an example, if Chris Olave goes to 11 to Washington, like a lot of people say, Trent McDuffie is the, Trent McDuffie is the guy I put on Chris Olave. Trent McDuffie is the guy that I put – on the the great smaller receivers of the league, like I would say, like Tyree Kill, but I mean that, that there's just there's just classes uh, separating him. But like a Devonta Smith, like the most unstoppable receiver I've ever seen on college film. If I had to put a guy from this class on Devonta Smith, it would be Trent McDuffie. Like that's that's the type of player he is. Now he takes things off the table. He is small. His arms are smallish. Like he he is not a big guy or big football player but what and i'll get to one more thing about his athleticism when i wrap up his thing but he's proven it he was all pack 12 uh, in in his sophomore year and in his junior year he was super highly ranked uh coming out we're talking about like a four-star top 150 type of guy coming out of high school and he was an athlete from california his his explosion grade like in the terms of being only 510 and a half essentially he had a 38 and a half inch vertical and he still weighed in it just you know just above 190 pounds like 193 all of this is encouraging because to me it shows that he's stout for his size in terms of that he's got core strength and that he's got explosion to his game all of that means if I need a pure one-on-one man cover corner against the small receivers in the NFL that can legitimately change games. Brandon Cook's another example. This is the guy I would want and trust on them. The only caveat, his speed is good. It's not great. He ran a 4-4-4 at the combine. And, of course, a 4-4-4 is a great 40 time. And I'm sure that there are some days where he times a little faster. But this isn't a guy that's running four three one four three two, and if that was the case, that he may he may go, you know, he would have gone even higher. I don't I don't know where he'll fall on draft day. I think he could fall anywhere from the late top ten to the early twenties. His 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 range is everywhere. I just think that that speed is the is the is the thing that's keeping him from really grabbing in there. And even some of these guys, if if if. That's why I said on Tyree Kill, if he's if Tyree Kill's running a four two seven, he's running four four four. Well, goodbye. Like it's that's the difference in the NFL. So I don't think he's a good tackle. Everybody says he's fearless, relentless, all that. I thought he was a crappy tackler. I'm not gonna. I, I don't feed into what I what I read. I feed into what I saw, and what I saw was a guy that didn't want to tackle. He is he is chippy. He is mouthy. That's cool. Every cornerback's got an edge to him, but he's not overly physical. He, I mean, but he has beautiful dip like hip dips. Like when he's running in his backpedal, beautiful backpedal, beautiful hip dip. You know everything about him visually all that McDuffie is a very talented corner a guy that you're gonna want to put in man against those receivers that give you fits at night he may even keep it from having to double team some of those guys but his deep speed's a little bit of concern and I don't think he brings much else to the table outside of that yeah I I'm a huge fan of Trent McDuffie I one thing that I was in love with you kind of just mentioned at the end there though his feet are exceptional they are exceptional I mean his, the discipline he has, like you said, in his backpedal, I don't think he is like 
ever gotten like kind of tangled up in his feet. He understands how to take the shortest route to make the to make the best play. He is very, very, very natural with his lower body. And you know, like you said, he's not the fastest guy, but I think he's quick. And I, you know, that's that's a, something you abs. If you're not the fastest corner, you better be quick. And I, I really like Trent McDuffie. I think he's gonna be kind of around the 15th. Like overall, I could see him being a guy that lands to a team like Minnesota. Um, but no, I, I really like Trent McDuffie. Number three, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Mm. This is what I was waiting for because my number two guy better not disappoint me. But um, uh, Ahmad Gardner, <laughs> the thing, the, 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 I can see why why teams like Ahmad Gardner. The number one thing teams like about him is I think that there is a sense coming out of college that he is a secure thing. I wouldn't so much as say that. I think there's this mystique that has grown around Gardner that has pushed him up to the point that if we just look at the tape, there are valid concerns to where is he the next Jalen Ramsey or Deion Sanders or whatever you want to call I mean, like, is he the next big thing? Because he's starting that backstory of being this generation's Revis, this generation's, you know, Dion, this generation's uh, Dick Knight Train Lane. That's for the 90-year-olds listening to our podcast. <laughs> but uh, it, that's, that's kind of what is growing around Gardner. The things I like about Gardner, Gardner is great in press. Like, this dude hits you at the line, and sometimes with these Cersei, it's, it's over. Some, some dudes just get taken out. Most of the time, I mean, if, if it takes you that extra second and a half to get to that five-yard point, that changes everything at the NFL level. This was, granted, CUSA, but what he was able to do there, you saw something to where you're like, okay, that is what I want. He is... He is fast enough. I think his 40 times showed it, his 10-yard split, all that 4-4-1, 1-5-1 uh, split time. Uh, he's 6-2, you know, bordering on 6-3, 190. Like, he's got, he's got a lot of the traits that you want, and I totally get it. Like I said, everybody from Kyler Gordon up, I would give, like, a first-round approval on in this draft uh, from, what I, from what I have seen of them on tape. He's, he's also very good at taking receivers across the field. Like, he can run stride for stride going across. Here, here's, here's where I get concerned with Gardner. If you're hoping when you're picking him, some people in the top five or whatever, you're like, oh, he is, he is the lockdown corner. I don't know if that's true because the, the, the two problems I see, the one I'm going to get it out of the way, just everybody says he's a dog. He avoids every single tackle that comes his way. Like, uh, he just does. And I'm not one of those huge, you have to tackle to be a great corner because in the NFL, did you stop the Justin Herbert pass on fourth down? Oh, okay, you're a good corner. I'm not worried about you tackling Nick Chubb in the second quarter. I I'm just going to be honest. Like, that's, that's what pays in that position. But I will say that his just complete – and maybe, maybe he's like, hey, I'm about to make, you know, multi-million dollars. I don't want to pop my shoulder out or whatever. But it's still, it's still concerning when you watch a guy and every time a run comes his way, he'll get, like, behind a defensive back or get, oh, I got blocked out of the play or whatever. He's just, he, everybody says he's a dog, and I'm like, well, not really. Uh, the, the, the second part about it, and this is my biggest knock, he is so handsy and so grabby that will not fly at the NFL level he when he gets beat 
or even sometimes when he's on a guy, it's hands at the shoulder pad jersey, hands low, so, you know, ha- hands on the face mat, hands up on the on the on the guy like you know as he's trying to extend his arms. It's like, dude, you're gonna play that much with your hands. You're like you are a DPI waiting to happen. I even read after I after I watched him, I was like, okay, maybe maybe I'm being a little critical. Like, let me go back and let me double check and see what other people think. And the first scouting report I read in his negativity, it said, was called for multiple holds and DPIs in college, and he is way too grabby. I'm like, all right, if that's something you've consistently shown, then I don't – I'm not ready to just, like, throw you out there and be like, here's here's our guy. Here's the second pick of the draft. Like, I, I, I just – that scares me. What I'll give him, though – is that if you're not expecting him to be a lockdown, like you are our corner, if you're like, hey, dude, we're going to put you on the short boundary. We just want you to like press him at the line and run that sideline. We'll handle everything else. Just take away the boundary, then you're, then you're golden. Like, I, 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 I like Gardner. I just think that we're, we're talking about a guy that we're putting up in like the Jalen Ramsey tier, the, you know, the Dion tier, the Darrell Rivas tier of like legend and. I just have reservations. So uh, kind of how I take it is, you know, these other guys that are getting that much praise, you can kind of plug and play anywhere, right? A guy like Sauce Gardner, you you feel most comfortable kind of just having him on like the outside, maybe in a team that loves to run like a cover three. You don't necessarily want to plug him in there in a team that's going to consistently ask you to cover, you know, our dominant X receiver, mirror him across the field. You kind of like him just, you know. Yeah, and I like, think I, I like that he he can run across the field, but like, yeah, I don't want him. I don't want him trailing Devontae Adams across the formation. Right. Like, yeah, no, miss me with that. I, I I remember seeing this one play, and and he actually played the slot a couple times and had some good reps. But there was this one rep where this guy got behind him, and it was just instantly, oh crap, 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 grab, 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 and it's like, whoa, whoa, dude, you're a mod gardener. Like, chill out. Just like he got behind you. Just flip your hips, look at the guy, and, like, you know, go. I, w- I will say this, though, too. When he runs that sideline, dude can dip his hips and run like he – not not like he's, like, the next two guys on the list, but very, very well. Like, for a guy his size, it's, like, really – for a guy his size, elite-level hip, dip, and run. And I really like that about him. Like, uh, all of these corners coming up are – Pretty imperfect, except maybe the top guy, and I'll, I'll get to why. Like, McDuffie, I trust as my small receiver man-to-man guy. And I, I think that he could have a big value coming into that. It's like I do value that a lot. That's why I have him in the, as a first-round pick and ahead of his teammate. However, I value more that Ahmad Gardner can take the boundary. So, therefore, I have Gardner above, and then I get to my next two. Perfect. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear the one and two. I, I know who they're going to be, but I'm, I don't know what order you're going to have them. Okay. So, so again, Andrew Booth Jr., you better send, send me a check in the mail or something because <laughs> i got to tell you what. This guy has – he is the one prospect that it's kind of like it, – it's, 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 it's kind of like your, your bad kid where you're like, oh, man, like why did you do that at school? And then he does something amazing, and you're like, yeah, he, just, he just does something, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, he might, he might go to detention every once in a while, but, man, is he going to be special. Like, it's just he's, he's just that guy for me this year. The, the, one, the one thing that was concerning is I didn't, we don't have any stats on him. He was injury prone at Clemson with, with little knick-knack injuries here and there. But I'll go ahead and tell you what he, what I know he's great at. 
this dude if if it was 2004 like he would be he would be the top corner in this draft because cover 2 was so in vogue it's not his fault that Clemson ran a ton of cover 2 that that their corners just sat in the short range but my god is he an an unbelievably gifted tackler he is a heat seeking missile he craves contact he craves competition he is someone that will go at anybody and everybody he's against he has a very high opinion of himself but he is very leveled when it comes to the game of football his backpedal and his dip are top number one corner-esque skills he 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 is able to run, move his feet. He's got good feet. Like when he's going back, it's just natural. And when somebody dips, well, he's dipping too. Like he's right there with them. He he's got uh, insane athleticism. There are there are two interceptions. I remember seeing one a couple months ago before I knew Andrew Booth Jr. was Andrew Booth Jr. And I was like, who is that guy? Or, or it was the opposite. I knew he was, and then I was like, who's that guy? And then I was like, oh, that's him. He made this just leaping out of the camera interception uh, in a game against, you know, Team ACCX. I, I forgot who it was. And I was just like jaw dropped. And if you want to, I'll send you the video at Angelo Media Lex. Just tweet me, and I'll, sh- I'll send you all that video, the link to it. Uh, inc- like multiple incredible one-handed interceptions. And against Ohio State in the 2020 uh, game against them in the in the college football semifinal when Justin Fields had that huge game, uh, he, he was a victim of one where the tight end get, got on him. But there were times where he's guarding Jameson Williams or Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson, and he's very much holding his own. Uh, coming out of high school, he was a five-star prospect, uh, one of the top players out of the state of Georgia. He's got the pedigree. He came to Clemson. He is a little injury-prone, but he, he really has all of the tools and the mentality to play the corner. The problem I have is that there are questions, and this is this is why I, I could have put him fourth and been fine with it. I just I just loved watching his tape, uh, but there are times where I wonder how good is your change of speed once it goes laterally. Not 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 necessarily like, across, well, you know, kind of laterally in general. Like once they break the route on a post, once they break a route on uh, in the uh, in the middle of the field on you, how quick are you to be able to to run? In that way, um, sometimes I wonder a little bit about his deep speed. I just I think that could be a product of just Clemson playing zone a lot and having those responsibilities. I would like to see him be able to be developed as a man guy because his pedigree, his his back pedal, his athleticism, his feet, everything points to a top corner. My downside of it is that it's it's a downside and upside. The downside is he might be a cornerback too. He might be a corner, just a really good cornerback too, but at the same time, he's not worse than a cornerback too. And if anything, I think if you see Houston go Ikemaquanu or Kayvon Thibodeau at three, guess who's the head coach at Houston now? It's Levy Smith. What does Levy Smith love to run? A little bit of cover two. Who is the best cover two corner in this class? It's Andrew Booth. Now, I know that some people could say the system's played out. It has a lot to do with man. I know what I'm getting. I know what type of competitor. I know what type of tackler, especially in a short screen game era. This guy is going to come up and make a ton of plays. I think as long as injuries don't get him, he's going to have a long career, and he has the upside ceiling if he's developed right. And if his speed is real, 
That's the one thing I wish I could have gotten from the scouting process, but he was he was nursing a core injury. That if that speed's real, then I think you could envision him becoming a uh, mirror, you know, travel with the best receiver, number one corner. You know, I, you know, based off of our conversation last week, I am not surprised that he is your number two. Now, if, if I'm talking to, you know, anybody else other than Mr. Mr. Angelo Carriero, might have been a little bit surprised, but I absolutely see where you're coming from, from the just sheer physical smoothness he brings as an athlete is is out of this world it is out of this world and i remember just uh i can't remember who who it was against i want to say like a, a team like virginia he made the like an insane one-handed interception at that the was against virginia yep i mean it's just what that's it's unbelievable he some of his interceptions are highlight reels it, it i absolutely am enthralled with his athleticism and what he can do um i I really think that he's going to be, like you said, if you if he gets into a cover two, a team that loves to run cover two, he's going to be phenomenal. I really do believe that. And like his ceiling, I, I agree that his ceiling is could potentially be, you know, like top, top of the class. I, I really believe I, it. Exactly. I, I think so too. The way that his body and fluidity moves. And I think he's actually a great explosion athlete. Like in the terms of like the vertical, like we said, you know, he was covering Jelani Woods and those guys out there growing up for those interceptions. Like he's got that and he loves to compete. He gives a crap about what happens on that field. I I worry about the speed and agility in the long term, man. At worst he's a like at worst him and Kyler Gordon are kind of in that same like like area in the terms of like they're really good corner twos and, and I think uh, I I was gonna say I think Kyler might have I just wish I would have saw more man from him, but it's like it's the presentation is there. The feet and the hips are there. But whenever sometimes it did go long, you know, he got scored on a little more than you'd like. And now sometimes it was against bigger, you know, players. I just that's the only thing I worry about. But overall, you're you're getting no worse than your corner two. Like that that is the legitimate floor for him if he stays healthy as corner two and he'd be a damn good one. So I told you that all of these corners have some type of either specialty or deficiency that keeps them in there where they were. Like I, I like I like McDuffie, uh, but he's a small small cover guy uh, because of his athleticism. Isn't like elite like a Marshawn Lattimore. You got Gardner, who's a sideline trailer, but he's super handsy. It, it can get it can get ugly. I don't know if he's someone that's covering you know Devonte Adams and Tyree Kill and Mike Evans and all those guys. Uh, I love Andrew Booth Jr. I think he's got all of the potential to do it, uh, but he's cover two only right now. And if he doesn't develop as a man, you got that. Derek Stingley Jr. is not perfect. Derek Stingley Jr., the legend of Derek Stingley Jr., I do think is a little further than the player Derek Stingley Jr. And like that legendary 2019 tape, he got his lunch ate by Devonta Smith every turn. I mean, you know, there's there are examples to where everybody kind of, I think, loves the idea of Derek Stingley Jr., but then there's the tape that shows why we love the idea of Derek Stingley Jr. Because out of all of these corners, I think Stingley puts the best of all of those qualities together. He is great at pressing like a Maud Gardner. He is great at dipping. He probably has the best, like, uh, well, I would say the elite tier would be McDuffie, Booth, and 
Stingley when it comes to hip dip, like his feet go, dips his hips, and he starts running. And the thing is, is that man, there there might not be a better corner uh, that, that you'll see that puts his eyes on that ball and goes for it. Like his, his, his eyes are so good when it comes to searching and going for the football. Like some of my notes on him, uh, for an example, when it comes to Stingley and what he brings to the table, you know, positively like and negatively, but uh, he is a great stance. Like he sits on his butt. He can turn and run with receivers. He, like I said, when he turns to watch and look for the ball, it's impeccable. Like he has great ball skills, but it's that vision, vision, vision that he has. He has quick feet mirroring a receiver, sticks to receivers. Like whenever Stingley gets beat, they're close. Like they are close by. It's not like he's just in no man's land going where, 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 where were they? Like he's like he's he's there. Uh, he's a willing tackler, good technique. He's really sudden when breaking into his retreat. Like as soon as like that, like he wants to flip his hips, boom, he's gone. Like that's the, like he he's going for it. Um, when he gets beat for a catch laterally, he can keep steps, so they're not just going to start running across the field and he's going to lose them. Uh, he has so, sudden acceleration when jumping routes like that. You don't get to see it often, but when a ball is thrown in front of him, like I believe in the national tie or the SEC championship game uh, back in uh, 2019 or 20 early 2020. With no, no, it would have been 2019. Uh, he he had this interception where he just broke on a route and was there. I was like, holy crap like th- this guy essentially to put it all together now he does struggle to change his momentum when flipping his hips laterally like when it comes to vertically and running the the line I have no problem but sometimes when he has to flip and go across the field it can be a struggle um he once once a receiver catches the ball he needs to be better at tackling and making the play instead of kind of you know they catch it he slips off them and there's an extra 10 yards like he needs to be that neat he needs to get better at that long speed leaves a little be desire on go routes and he can be beaten off the line of scrimmage for short to intermediate games that those were all of my like negatives but if you're saying who's the best cover two corner in this class and it's like well it's andrew booth you know or Derek stingley and it's like well who's the best like press corner in this class and it's like well it's ahmaud gardner and Derek stingley and it's like okay well who's the best man cover corner and it's like well mcduffie probably has the best you know athletic skill set for it stingley's a little bigger and can do kind of all the same things so it's like when i want a number one corner i want to be sure that this dude can do everything like here's the thing he's gonna get his ass kicked a couple times like he's not perfect like he's he i don't think you could put him up there like if you gave him a perfect corner grade i think he'd be a little disingenuous but when it comes to like hey I need a guy that in that can play right away and in three or four years be my number one corner. I don't think it's to stretch to say that Derek Stingley can end up in the top five corners in the NFL. Like maybe he never will be number one. Maybe he will be. And I think that he's got all of the traits that you look for on film from a corner that that just make him complete and capable. Okay, Angela, I, I have a question for you. So I feel like there's kind of that narrative out there that uh, maybe I even bought into and kind of went into it. But every, you know, you read a lot of scouting reports that will say, oh, his 2019 film was exceptional. But, you know, obviously there wasn't a whole bunch of tape to watch from 2021 and uh, 20. But 
is do you see that drop off that they're talking about? Do you see the oh the 2019 tape is off the charts, but 2020 and one is maybe more towards the cornerback three range or something like? That? Do you do you buy into that script or, or that narrative, or is that just that's just something that is kind of yes, there's a lack of film, but I don't think it's it's you know it's that much worse. I think that just comes down to the injuries. I, I, re- yeah, I really do. I think when you watch them and, and there can be times where you're like, Oh, well, and again, it's kind of, it's, it's the same thing with Sam Howell, or it's the same thing with a player that you come into a draft and you love them. They're elite. They're the best. They're the best. And then cave on Thibodeau. They're the best. They're the best. And then you're like, well, you know, now that like it's a junior year and the new car smells worn off, like maybe I don't like it as much. I think that that has to do with it because I think everybody has this fascination of, whoa, this true freshman came in and was the best corner on the team. Like, holy cow. Like, for an example, this is who he covered his freshman year. He covered Kyle Pitts, Devonta Smith, CeeDee Lamb, Seth Williams, Van Jefferson, George Pickens, Justin Ross, Colin Johnson. Like, that's the list he covered as a true freshman on (laughs) – quote unquote, the greatest team of all time, which I mean, I don't put that quote unquote sarcastically. Like, I mean, they might arguably be the greatest college football team of all time. So I think a lot of people see that and everybody's wrapped up in the LSU buzz. You love Stingley, love Stingley. I think it's more fair to say, you know what? Like I see him for who he is. I see his warts. But if you look at other tape, I mean, by his junior year, like against UCLA, like the the tape got worse. And that's a weird team, by the way. Uh, But uh, well, let me let me take that back. I did watch some of their tape studying for like the wash, like some of the some of these ACC corners. Dude, Chip Kelly and UCLA offense is amazing. Like he is a mastermind. Like you you watch some of that and you're like you're like Chip, you still got it, man. But uh, anyways, back to it. You see him, and yeah, his attention might have waned. He might have he might have gotten a little more liberal with what he was doing. But athletically, he looked as amazing as ever. Like I mean, if anything, he looked like a better athlete by his junior year than he did as a freshman. So it's it's more or less. I'm sure that his like attention waned or whatever you want to call it. Again, this was a team in turmoil. You had COVID. He was suffering through injuries. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of crap that went on. But eventually, like, yo, this is going to be his job, and these are the traits he has. And to me, it's like, yeah, you're right, guys. He isn't the perfect next coming of Dion that everybody thought he was. But maybe he does have a ceiling that's close to like Revis. Maybe there is something there. Um, athletically, by the way, when it comes to that – Ran a four four five, uh, two five one one five six splits on that. Like that's that's good speed. That's not great. Thirty eight and a half inch vertical. That's really good. Uh, six you know six foot six foot and a fourth, hundred ninety pounds. Like just the physical makeup of it. Just to me, I think I think the whole this is the greatest corner tape we've ever seen was a little overblown. But overall, from what I saw, Stingley is the guy that you take out of this draft if you want a complete number one corner. Now, if you run cover two, don't worry, Andrew Boost there. Hey, if you run cover three, don't worry, Gardner's there. Hey, if you run, uh, if you if you need a man corner and you and you're in a division against Devonta Smith, like Washington, have no fear, McDuffie's there to cover him. Like there are like other good corners in this first round, and and I, I just think that Stingley is the guy that like if I have to cover week in and week out, you know, I go from Keenan Allen to Mike Williams to Tyree Kill to Devontae Adams, to, you know, to, to CeeDee Lamb, to any of these guys, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, all those guys. 
Stingley is the guy that I'm like, you know what? For all of them, this is the guy that I trust the most. All right, Angela. I appreciate that that narrative breakdown. I was I was kind of curious because I, I I watched a lot of his 19 tape, but I didn't have a chance to break into you know the later tapes. But uh, thank thanks for fixing that narrative and you know telling it as is. Well, thank you, Brendan. I appreciate it. What are your thoughts, Ed? I mean, I thought you guys did a great job. I'm really I'm really happy with what I heard. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it a lot. And uh, yeah, like uh, all I got to say is, Andrew Booth, do not besmirch me. Do not forsake <laughs> my name because I'm trusting you. Like I am. There are concerns. You understand me. But you know what? I, I love the kid. I could I, I, I could I couldn't help myself like that. You watch that guy and he's just all on it. A uh, gardener. Look, as much as I as much as everybody thinks like I hate Gardner, I don't. I'm just raising concerns. He's a really good player. Like for a size for a guy his size, the hip and dip, the speed, like all that's good stuff. Like McDuffie, great like cover corner. Like if he was a little bigger or a little faster, he probably's the number one corner of the draft. Kyler Gordon, like it's just such a as much as people say this is a weak draft or whatnot, like, you know, Brendan, you named like two or three defensive tackles that go first round. I named five corners I thought could go first round. You named five edge rushers that are first rounders. We just named 13 first round picks in our eyes that are just from these position groups. So is everybody saying this is a weak draft or whatever? It's a fun draft. Settle in and get ready because it is less than a week away, and we are coming for it, baby. Keep yes, hacking, sir. baby. Yes, sir. Keep on hacking. And you guys, we we got a really fun episode in store next week. It's it's gonna be. It's, it's the gonna... ultimate NFL draft guide podcast. Yes, sir. It yes, is. sir. The best way to put it. it. And Angelo, I really appreciate your breakdown of the cornerbacks, my friend. You know, I, I appreciate I... yours. Yeah, thank you. And Ed, I appreciate your input on everything. And you guys, as always, I I love doing the show. I. I look forward to it every week. I love having you guys on and everybody tuning into this episode of Blitzcast. I can't express how much we appreciate you week in, week out. Uh, I hope you guys have a fantastic week getting ready for the draft. I'm praying that your guys' team takes the player you've been banking on. Hopefully they don't turn into a bust, but... Hey, as a I Browns don't. fan, I, I know. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I don't. I hope. I hope it's. I, I hope everybody fails and Green Bay gets everybody I want. Like it's Christmas morning and it's just for me. Let's go. <laughs> yes. All right. All right, Grinch. All right. Oh, perfect. But I love it, guys. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Blitzcast. And you all take care, folks.